0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Truthzilla. I am Megan, back with Scott and Ed. Our guest tonight is Angela McArdle, the current chair of the Libertarian Party of Los Angeles County and is running for the National Libertarian Party chair position. She has worked as a paralegal and legal aid for 11 years in litigation and has a private practice where she provides self-help legal services to low-income clients. She also specializes in cranial sacral therapy, helping people with vaccine injuries and other nervous system traumas. Angela, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, glad to be here.
2: Awesome, yes, so thank you so much for joining yeah. us. And and I do just have to take just a quick moment and say, Megan, welcome back. Thank oh you. Oh my gosh, so yes, Megan's Megan. been away from the show for a little bit and this is her first episode back and we're just like, we can't do it without you. Yeah. We just cannot I am do it without so you. I'm so glad true. to be
0: back. It feels Thanks. good to be here, guys. Thank you so much.
2: Uh, absolutely. So Angela, yes, thank you so much for joining us. This is I'm really excited about this conversation. So um, I first came across your work with that uh, viral debate that you did recently about the, the mandates and I was like, oh man, we gotta get her on the show for sure. But also, you know, it's just kind of funny because I've been kind of delving into my own little journey into the libertarian realm myself. And I'm kind of what uh, I've heard Pete Quinones refer to as like the shiny toy phase of this whole thing. And uh, it's it's almost like, uh, but it's kind of interesting because when the whole COVID situation kicked off, we found ourselves immediately taking action, noticing what it was and just, You know, we got involved with the Freedom Cells movement and we started finding um, other like-minded individuals and got into cryptocurrency and all these counter-economic actions. And that was just instinctively what we did. And then it was after the fact that I started, you know, I actually read Derek Brose's book, The Conscious Resistance Trilogy. And, like, he pointed me towards, like, uh, Mises and uh, Konkin and, and Rothbard. And I started reading and getting into some of that work. And I'm like, oh, this is described. This describes exactly what we're actually already doing. And so it kind of gave me a framework to, and and so I kind of came about it to sort of the backwards way. And like, for me, I've been saying like, okay, so you know, the old phrase, if you're not a liberal by the time you're 20, you don't have a heart. If you're not a conservative by the time you're 30, you don't have a brain. And if you're not at least a little bit libertarian right now, like, you haven't learned a damn thing about what's going on with this whole world. So so anyway, so that's where we're at. And i just, you know, really grateful that you joined us here today. And I was wondering, just to start off with, because we have a lot of topics to cover, but maybe you could just give us a little bit of your personal background and maybe what your on-ramp to libertarianism was and, and how you got uh, mobilized into taking a more activist approach.
3: Sure.
1: Sure thing. So it's sort of like a a play in three acts. When I was a teenager, like about 17, I had a I had a conversation with someone about libertarianism, a very brief kind of in a nutshell conversation. But, you know, I was a teenager in California. I had moved here from Texas, grown up in a very conservative, traditional home and said, you know, I, I'm, I'm like a Republican. I'm a conservative, but I just like I, I think that, you know, weed. It's not that big of a deal. People shouldn't go to jail and I don't care about gay marriage. It's weird. Wouldn't conservatives want the gays to get married and then be conservative like them? And so, you know, this this person I was chatting with, he said, "You sound more like a libertarian than a Republican." And I thought, okay, I've heard that word before. It has liberty. Okay, conservative, guns, weed. Okay, that's me. So that was my like seventeen-year-old definition of libertarianism. Very rudimentary, low resolution, and then many years later maybe not 10 years but several years later i read the creature from jekyll mm-hmm. S, Yes. and that imploded my <laughs> world view yeah i was completely traumatized for a couple of weeks like 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 paranoid you know and, and weird about the federal reserve and currency and what really controls our country and war and and all kinds of things. And so that really gave me like an awakening and helped me understand like why the government is so evil and why we should be opposed to it, not just guns and weed. Mm -hmm. Then Ron Paul's race really woke me up because then I realized I'm not the only one who is freaked out by the Federal Reserve. (laughs) And so that was like, woken me up to like the larger libertarian movement. And all of a sudden I was more familiar with like the party and other people who are active and trying to, you know, get things accomplished. So that was my journey to libertarianism. It was really, it was really at least I I feel like a 10 year journey for me to become fully like aware of what it means.
2: Wow. And then and then being inspired to actually take action and get involved on like a political level. That's amazing too. And it's like I would say if any place in the world needs a little dose of libertarianism, it would be Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. So oh, good yeah. on you. New York. Yeah.
1: People think yeah. like like, okay, so LA politics, awful. Mm-hmm. Awful, awful, awful. Well, you know, we're not in gulags yet, but mm-hmm. they would like us to be. Yeah. But the libertarian movement out here is actually really great. And, and it's interesting, right? I think like the worst government gets, the worse it gets kind of the better the resistance movements get. Yeah. yeah. So we have a really good cryptocurrency community. We have a, an anarcho-capitalist movement out here. We have a, obviously a strong libertarian party and all sort of little adjacent movements. That's awesome. So that is the that is the nice thing about LA is we have a thriving community.
2: Awesome. Yeah, definitely. So um, so the, the debate, I want us maybe start there and we'll kind of branch out from there. So uh, how did that come about? How, how did you get approached to uh, take the, the position arguing against mandates?
1: So I've been in two Soho Forum debates previously. I was in one in 2020 regarding who libertarians should vote for in the presidential election. And then I was in another one during the summer of 2021 regarding the Free State Project in New Hampshire. And when I saw Illy Soman go on MSNBC and say that he's a libertarian and he supports vaccine passports, <laughs> I like everyone else read and lost my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just picked up the phone and called uh Gene Epstein who runs the Soho forum, who is a, he is a wonderful individual and was like, we got to have a debate about this. So he reached out, he set it up and you know, it took us a couple of months to get there because he already had a lot of things scheduled, but that's how we got that going.
2: Yeah. And it's a great conversation. You know, I mean, that's uh, we could pick it apart all day long, but I just feel like, you know, it just really comes down just to the simple fact of just, you know, uh, no, just no, you know what I mean? Like, like, I feel like a lot of like, our, I feel like we wanted to make like campaign slogans for our stance and really it just comes down to no, no, sorry.
0: No, <laughs> I I thought you said it so beautifully. I w- just in particular, and I actually brought one of my kiddos into the room, like you have to listen to what this lady is saying. But when you talked about the the shot being um, contempt for humanity. I just thought that that hit the nail on the head just so, it's it's just such a beautifully poetic way to say that they're just trying to murder all of us and they they really don't, I mean, the disregard for human life throughout all of this, you know, I feel like, You know, there's there's all of these different positions and stances and people come from it from a lot of different ways. But I just think about it in terms of just spiritual terms or just morality. alone. I mean, it's 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 mind boggling. And I just thought that that was just such a contempt for humanity. And I, I remember I will always remember that.
1: Thank you. This was this debate was really for me. It wasn't just about arguing about vaccine passports. It was a pivotal moment in the Libertarian Party culture because we have so many people who want to be little armchair philosophers and have arguments about trolley problem debates and what we technically can and can't do and should and shouldn't. And it's all theoretical and none of it has any bearing on our actual lives. And what I wanted to communicate to people was your little like philosophical thought experiments have no place here. Mm -hmm. This This is what's actually impacting us there have been people who have been killed by this thing yeah, and severely yeah. injured. We're gonna, we're not going to talk about theoretically, or we're not going to champion, you know, I think that it's been really helpful. And and as long as you can have the choice, we're just going to talk about how damaging it is mm-hmm. and how we absolutely need the choice because it could kill some yes,
3: of us. Yes. It
1: really, it hurts me like to the core when I see people leading with these really like blue-pilled like, oh, you know, the vaccines are they're safe and effective and they save lives but we should still have a choice like shut up mm-hmm. take a back seat in this argument
4: yes. Yes. and it was I think it was very evident in your argument against him that um, I mean he kept coming back to that I'm not an expert in this field I'm not a doctor you know which is, is tends to be the argument on that side right that I'm not an expert so I don't know so I just parrot it with, uh CNN tells me right But whereas you came with, with the facts you knew the information you knew the information from the CDC and and, and, and whatnot and uh, it just pretty much shut him down, right? And, yeah,
1: and you basically have, didn't bring an argument. Yeah, none no, yeah. at all. Like, listen to the experts. Yeah, it, it, it's the same. Like, it's a contemptible position.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the appeal to authority—that's just a logical fallacy, almost. Like, yeah. you just you can't even like argue from there. And then, of course, I heard also the uh, the old classic Fauci trick, where it's like. Well, everything you just said was a lie. So there you go, you know. <laughs> it
0: it's just- such a bizarre, crazy <laughs> argument, but it's so so often I feel like we hear that from that position. Like you you can come at them with so many facts, but if you just, even if you just tailor it down to just what we know the FDA has said, if we know what the CDC is, we know what Pfizer's printing, we know these things. And then someone looks you in your face and goes, yeah, it's not true. It's, it's mind boggling because there's such a, a vast uh, portion of humanity that's still like, oh yeah, that's not true. And then they just kind of just... Right over the top of the head and you skip... The whole entire huge important point of it. Um, but yeah, he just had no argument, but it was, it was, I thought I will say his redeeming characteristic is he seemed to be smirking the whole time, which made it a little more palatable to actually watch him try to speak for this argument. But it was, uh, I, I have a nine year old who was doing homework in the room at the time and twice he turned around. And he goes, did he just say such as, like, you know, he would just couldn't even fathom that this grown man was saying these things. So it was, it was quite a thing.
2: <laughs> and that's hilarious. Yeah. Your nine year old is on, on his way to being a uh, Yeah, one yeah. Of us. That's yes. Hilarious. Well we listen to kind David Icke
0: in the morning sometimes and you know, we're <laughs> raising little warriors up behind us. So
2: yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about. So I heard you talk about in a different interview, the Chris Masterjohn interview that just was fairly recent. Um you were talking about your background with craniosacral therapy and how that kind of was just uh, it's almost uh, like these paths that we walk on. It's just like our whole life has prepared us for this battle. I was hoping you could maybe like tell our audience a little bit about your background with that too.
3: Yeah.
1: So I don't talk about it very much. Okay. Or I haven't until recently yeah. because, so you're getting the scoop. Awesome. Um, because the general libertarian community, and when I say that, I'm, I mean, yeah, I mean the general libertarian community is, uh, is like very rooted in skepticism mm-hmm. and very trust the sciency and statistics and in theoretical models. And that's something that I think that, it's not a value, but it's something that they have highly valued. And so it's been sort of like uh, a cost benefit analysis to me where I'm just like, it's literally not worth talking about it to these people who are incredibly close minded and can't understand what I'm talking about and don't have any willingness to learn. But this past year, this past <laughs> couple of years has been sort of the position where I've just had to say, all right, you know, I'm just going to be very upfront about things You know i oppose vaccination Mm -hmm. scary you know i'm that crazy person Mm -hmm. and and this is why and this has been my experience i've worked with people who've had injuries um so i started doing craniosacral therapy in 2012 2012 i was doing a split uh, like a split career i worked in litigation half the time and then i would pack up i would leave the office early and i would go treat clients until about nine o'clock at night and I, I got into this because I was in a horrendous car accident in 20, 2011, 2012, and I had severe neuropathy in both of my arms. My The muscles in my arms atrophied Had horrible nerve damage in my ulnar nerve runs like right here mm-hmm. down to your elbow. My hands kind of turned like crab claws. I couldn't type very well, couldn't really wash my hair, couldn't cook. I did all the regular things, right? Like I went to see the the specialist at through Kaiser, um, which is a terrible insurance company. Mm-hmm. I got acupuncture. I got massage. I had chiropractic treatment. I was seeing my regular doctor. I did all of the things and it just got worse and worse and worse. And so three craniosacral therapy treatments, I went from non-functional to being back in kendo, like martial arts class. Wow. So I was totally sold on it, you know? And, and she was like, you know, you're, you're responding so well to this. I, I wonder if you would be good doing this. And I thought, let's let's take a class, let's try. So that's sort of how I got into that and and I excelled in it, and it was fantastic. and um, and I started just you know really challenging myself and treating people. I started just with really basic sports injuries. Because that's the most straightforward, easy thing to understand. And as I advanced through courses, and I went to the Upledger Institute, by the way, mm-hmm. which is located in Florida, and it's much more medically minded than a lot of the other craniosacral therapy schools. It's 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 rooted in Western medicine. Doctor Upledger, who founded it, was a spinal surgeon. So you know, no offense to the woo-woo crystal people, but this isn't really what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I just continue to work my way. Through different clientele, and I and I eventually did get into treating children who were vaccine injured and adults too, mm-hmm. senior citizens.
0: Hey everybody, we just want to take a moment and tell you how you can come and support the show.
2: You start off at truthzilla.org. Everything is there, all the links to all of our video platforms and ways to support the show. So at the top, you'll see a button that says "Support the Show," including Patreon and Subscribe Star and all that stuff. So we have a new series. That's uh, kicking off on Patreon and Subscribestar called Green Pilled. So all of you listening, you're all Green Pilled, right? You know, you have the red pill and the blue pill. Zilla listeners, you're all Green Pilled. And so we're going to start a new series where we're diving into proven, declassified conspiracy facts. So join us over on Patreon and Subscribe Subscribestar for that. Also... While you're on Truezilla.org, check out the shirt shop. So, right at the top, click on shirts, or go to Truezilla.org forward slash shirts, and you'll see a whole collection of awesome shirts. We got the World Economic Forum one. We got the Fauci gave us all AIDS shirt. Just our logo's pretty good. Crisis great. The Actor. logo. We got the Crisis Actor one. We got all of our great shirts on there and a whole World bunch more. World Hell Organization. Coming. World Hell Organization. So, yes, go to Truezilla.org forward slash shirts for all that. Also, if you guys want some more premium TruthZilla content, you go to Rockfin, rockfin.com forward slash TruthZilla. Ed and I do the weekly Clown Town update where we dissect the crazy news of the week. Plus, it's the main spot to find all things TruthZilla, rockfin.com forward slash TruthZilla. And our sponsors of the show. So we have Truth TRS. TRS is a – Oh, I love that TRS. It's a heavy metal detox spray that you just spray a few times – spray in your mouth a few times a day and it absorbs all the heavy metals and environmental toxins that are in your body and flushes them out. You're going to feel way better, brain fog, autoimmune conditions. It's just a great product. We all use it and can't recommend it more like highly enough. Yeah, it's fantastic. TruthTRS.com to learn more about that. And our other sponsors are Cody Cody! over at Cody's Crystals on Instagram at C-O-D-Y-S underscore crystals and Audis Audis. over at Modern Retro Retro Radio. ModernRetroRadio.com ModernRetroFM.com com or on the tune in app and finally guys if you can't financially support the show which is awesome just like, like share, share and subscribe. subscribe we yeah, love just, that please. yeah just tell a friend about it give us a five-star review on itunes yes. it really helps drive the algorithm out to the new new listeners and to really get the message out so all right guys back to the show Wow. That's amazing. <clears throat> and so, you know, mm. that, that just informs, I mean, I he- I heard it in your voice, like your argument just coming right out the gate, talking about, okay, this is a specific case, specific instance of a child who was, who has been injured by this, you know, and then you can just hear the passion of it in your voice, you know? And so um, that's, just it's, it's amazing though. So now you're in this position and, and you've, uh, you're taking this to the real world. And so you're actually taking real world action in Los Angeles and New York fighting these mandates. Can you kind of help our listeners uh, understand about some of that and maybe some of the stuff they could do in their own communities?
1: Yes. So when you have the opportunity to pass an initiative or a referendum, and you're dealing with one of these laws that city council has sprung on you quickly, this this is a great time to use initiatives and referendums. And that's what we're doing in L.A. and that's what I'm helping the people in New York get organized on. So what we're doing is we're just basically filing like a ballot initiative to go and repeal the mandate. Mm -hmm. So the way that it works in L.A. is you you have to go through an approval process, which we're almost done with. And unfortunately, it did take a couple of months. So that sucks. Mm -hmm. But you you submit a draft of your petition The city attorney looks at it. The elections office looks at it. You go back and forth, tighten it up. They make sure that they can actually enact what you're saying into law. And then you're required to get a certain number of signatures. And once you do, and you have to get it within a certain period of time, in LA, it's three months. Once you do, then it's going to go to a special election. And then it forces the city to vote on it.
3: Mm.
1: Now, I will say, there are people who are uh, pessimistic about whether or not it will pass. I'm actually not at this point, but even if you're a pessimistic, if you're in a terrible, very blue city that is going aggressive and hard on mandates, it's still worthwhile to try this out because you're putting pressure on your elected officials and it stresses them out and it makes them work. And it makes them defend their position and they have to go and do PR campaigns. And they also really get to see like your vitriol and how committed you are to overturning these things. So what happened in LA was as soon as I filed the paperwork, all of a sudden the city started carving out exemptions and kind of Mm. walking back their own policies. So even if you don't pass it even if you're in just like the absolute pit of hell with this stuff and you start fighting and pushing against it with an initiative and getting a lot of public attention, you may start to see exemptions carved up. And and that I think is a good thing because moving in the right direction.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So so here we have a vaccine mandate or vaccine passport looming on the horizon here. So March we're, we're, we're in Oregon, so we're just a little bit north of you. Uh, we're in Eugene. So it's like Eugene's like want to be Portland pretty much but you know what I mean yeah. but uh so but yeah March 8th apparently they're going to be rolling out this new vaccine passport here and so we've we've kind of looked into it a little bit we have definitely spoken out to our legislators and their response has been well it's going to be a voluntary thing it's going to be something that businesses can choose to enforce or not but still they're setting up this infrastructure so do you have any advice maybe for us who are at the stage where it's coming, but it's not here yet. Is there any action that we could be taking in addition to just writing our local senators or Congress people?
1: Yes. So here's how we did it in LA. And I highly recommend you, anyone anywhere, yeah. try this. Get on city council meetings. And if you're in a locked down place like that, mm-hmm. they're probably gonna be online.
2: It's easy they if they are they're online. Yep. Okay.
1: Get online and give public comment. And here's what you wanna do when you go on public comment. Uh, you wanna say, hi, my name is blank. I oppose vaccine passports. I think they're a gross violation of human rights and property rights. Make sure you emphasize property Mm. rights. We are going to be opposing them, either through an initiative or another legislative process. If you would like to help, if you would like to get in touch and you're passionate about this issue, contact me at drop your website. And then it's very important that you say, I am a whatever, you're a libertarian or you're independent or whatever, This is a nonpartisan effort and your political affiliation does not matter. We care about the individual rights of everyone. Get in touch with us. We would love to have you. Treat these people's city council meetings like it is free airtime for you because that's what it is. You get a commercial. You can go on there and say whatever you want. There's a guy who gets on the LA City Council meetings every week and he plays clown music and calls them clowns. Beautiful. <laughs>
2: well, you, yeah. I'm sure you saw the guy going on there with his vaccine rap, right, Alex Stein? Yep. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, he's great. Yeah, okay, that's a great idea. So we're just yeah. hop on there and say, all right, Infowars.com, True Podcast, baby, hit us up. There you go. <laughs> you
1: know? There you go. Yeah. And, and what'll happen is every time you're going to get contacted. Yeah. So in the peak of all of this, and we started working on this in August once they started just kind of talking about it, every time we get on, and we line our guys up. And it's competitive in LA, you got to get on there like really fast, you got to push the button, but there'd be three to four of us who are giving public comment. And just 1234 down the line afterwards, we get about 30 interactions. Wow. Uh, A mix of phone calls and emails, just random people who are like, Look, I just Googled you, I found you online, I heard you. And then Then we started getting calls from reporters, including L.A. Times. I didn't even have to send out press releases. They're coming to me because they're bloodthirsty ghouls.
2: And they want they
1: want attention and they want controversy. And I'm like, well, it's right over here, you know.
2: That's amazing. Fantastic. I love that. I love that. That's a great <laughs> suggestion. Um, so speaking of nonpartisan, um, that's something that we've been seeing up here. Uh, we've seen we've been seeing the last couple of rallies. There's one on the first. We're super excited about. Yes. We've got uh, like Kevin Jenkins, Steve Kirsch, um, Dr. Henry Ely. A lot of these like you know folks that we've had on the show, but that we're gonna be able to meet for the first time in real life. But just very strong voices in the movement. Um, February 1st, everybody. So if you're, if you're anywhere near Salem, come out and join us. Um, we'll be there with the bullhorn and we'll be <laughs> hanging out and doing our thing. So anyway, uh, but yeah, the last couple of rallies, it's been an awesome, like eclectic mix of folks who are like, there was a booth uh, called like Lefties for Medical Freedom, right? Like it's just, they're starting to wake up and we're starting to come together. Are you seeing that sort of thing down there?
1: Yes, not as much as I had hoped yeah. to. And it's really disappointing coming from the alternative medical community really disappointing definitely but but those are the people where you have the best shot so like people who are into holistic nutrition and like alternative Mm -hmm. health and that sort of stuff so people who are um who follow medical medium he's like a raw vegan um health guru guy they're opposed to this stuff so are people who are in the carnivore diet community Mm -hmm. like politically opposite i guess in the dietary community it's annoying that all of this (laughs) stuff is politicized but they're united on this yeah. mm-hmm. um, and same with like a lot of craniosacral therapists, acupuncturists. I'm finding that more and more of them are, are blue pilled than I thought, which is incredibly disappointing, but it's not all of them yeah. and the, and the, it's a way better. It's a way better group of people who are opposed or a higher percentage in these groups than it is just like you know. An average uh, group of people in L.A.
2: Sure. right, Sure. Awesome. Certainly. Well, that's super encouraging. You know, that's one of the things we've seen, too, is like so many people are awake to so many of these other things, some of these other topics. Like they can talk about 9-11 and you can talk about all this other stuff. But with this one issue, it's like a roadblock, just like a, yeah. the, the dissonance is just like, OK, all right.
1: <laughs> and, 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 the, and the social ostracization yeah. that comes with this is really aggressive. So I try to be really like gentle with Mm. people when they come to me and they're sort of on the fence because I'm in the long game for this. Like, I'm not going to try to hard sell anyone like I'm just like, you know, like you're welcome here. You have an open mind about it. You think, okay, you got vaccinated, but you're opposed mandates like you can join the fold. And what I found is that eventually a lot of them like completely flip, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're very on our team. We just have to make sure that they feel welcome. They're like nervous horses.
2: Totally.
0: Absolutely. And
2: I think, uh, I think just to be in your position, I think just being a libertarian politician in general, you have to be in it for the long game. You know what I mean? Like this is the, I mean, that's the name of the game, like literally, you know, because like I know, and one of the things that I've noticed in my, you know, just surface level understanding about libertarian philosophy and all that and big shout out to adam from the awesome show deborah gets red-pilled um he's been kind of like pointing me down the path like being like okay watch out for this watch out for that you know what i mean because he's 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 very much uh in alignment with all these uh, all this stuff too but um also uh you know i think just fundamentally just li- li- anarchist libertarian philosophy is like no government no government so then if you're getting involved in government it seems like kind of a a, a misnomer kind of like a, a yeah. you know, so so how Maybe to some of our listeners, can you articulate like your stance on all that? Obviously, you're you're very politically active as a libertarian, but how do you reconcile that for us?
1: Oh, it's a defensive maneuver. Yes. yes. So I vote defensively. Yeah. Um, that means that I always vote against any ballot initiative that's going to increase my taxes, okay. that's going to give the government more power. So for anyone who's like on the fence about politically becoming politically active. Or you're not sure. It just feels like gross. You don't want to vote for someone else. You hate democracy. That's fine. I recommend that you vote against measures. Yeah. Vote against pa- vaccine passport crap. Yeah. Vote against that sort of stuff. I don't care if you go in and vote no on every single person on the ballot. Whatever. You know. But but uh, property rights is a very good thing to defend. There are a lot of boxes on the ballot that I leave blank. Attorney, uh, state attorney general is one that I never vote on Mm. (laughs) because it's usually a guy who's hardcore pro death penalty, pro drug war versus a guy who's hardcore universal health care tax you to death. Mm. (laughs) So I just don't vote on that one.
3: Totally.
2: Totally. Yeah, that makes total sense. And it seems like, you know, if we can get libertarians inside there, we can dismantle it from the inside out, right? I mean, is that kind of the idea in a a way? Well, okay. So that is
1: kind of the idea, (laughs) but, and this is something that I'm, that is really, really important to me um, on the national perspective, because I am running for the national chair position within the last 20 years, especially the national libertarian party has had no long-term strategy. It's like this like spastic uh, hamster wheel race where we're just we jump on this little wheel and we do everything that we can in the within two year life cycle, which is just a terrible way to run any organization, especially political. and and oh, there's all this like stress over internal party elections
3: mm-hmm.
1: because, well, that's where you can win because when they look outside of that into the real world, it's overwhelming, you know? people don't share our views. So they're discouraged and they're like, oh, well, I'll just act like a fool in this like internal circle instead of making a meaningful difference in the world. So that's something I'm definitely gonna be changing. We're gonna be shifting from a high time preference strategy to a low time preference strategy where we plan for our future, get our people elected at the local level, which Mm -hmm. by the way, (laughs) the local level is where you find people who are willing to stand up against tyrannical governors Mm -hmm. and try to protect their communities. And that's like, that's really important. It's so important for so many reasons, right? And that's also where you build political capital. So 10 years down the line, you can run for governor and not look like a joke candidate. Yeah. Totally. That's what we got to do.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And
4: is it? I, is the Libertarian Party growing like a lot right now? I would think that it would be yeah. growing a lot right now because it I mean, really I, I know myself. I I would align as a Libertarian these days, but I I didn't prior to COVID just because I didn't have that information, right? But I, I think a right. lot of us that are and, and the the reality is I'm looking at both sides that we're given here and, and thinking I don't I don't align with either of them anymore, right? right. And, and and at the same time, it, it almost feels like theater.
2: It feels Absolutely. like we've just been had. It's so, what it feels totally, like we've totally. just been had. you look at the world through the libertarian perspective, it's like, "Oh my god, it is theater. Yeah. It is just a bunch of nonsense."
0: Well, it's interesting. It is. <laughs> and at the beginning of the lockdowns, like, you, I didn't have really any information. I had no conceptual idea of any of this, and it was actually my 20-year-old son who came over to visit one day, and we were just sitting outside, and he just I was talking about something to do with the ele- upcoming elections and you know, kind of feeling frustrated, and he knows what I do sitting here, um, but he just started, like, he, he's so well-spoken, he just started articulating all these ideas, and like, my head was, like, of course, like, this this all makes perfect sense, and here's my my oldest son, you know, telling me all these things and he's read these things and he's, you know, telling me about books. And I just like, I feel like it was a three hour conversation at the end. I was like a hundred percent converted, like every single thing that has never been presented to me, but it's, it absolutely makes the most sense. And it aligns the most with who I am and what, how I want to see things go. And I was just, uh, impressed that, um, yeah, that, that was kind of who turned me on to the whole, Um, ideology of all of it and and kind of some of the things that he'd like to see happen and from that perspective and I just thought it was really powerful and important and it was encouraging so anyways that's how that that came
1: you should okay so whatever you did to raise your children you should write that down and um <laughs> send that out into the world yeah. because wow. that's really really impressive skill there you go that you've got a nine-year-old listening to stoho forum debates about vaccine mandates <laughs> and a 20-year-old red pilling you on lockdowns so that's really phenomenal. it
2: was really <laughs> yes i'm yeah. very proud you know, so <laughs> megan so there you go you <laughs> yeah. have a project you have a new project i have a project okay. that's it that's amazing, man.
4: So I think you've already kind of answered, but I I, I just want to come back to like, like we, when this thing happened, uh, went to the Freedom Cells route, right? Like we started our own yeah. Freedom Cell and we've really been, uh, we, we both had, or we all had gardens for the first time last year. Yes. You know, we we're trying to, to cut our dependence on this system, right? Like, and I think that that's a, a, what we've kind of, come to as like the big solution to this is to just cut your dependence on that system as much as possible. But I do hear what you're saying. And on this practical level, you know, we do need to, to we need to put up a fight mostly at this local level. Yeah. Right. And, and a lot of it comes, I mean, we've had guests on about agenda 2030 and how much legislation is just, just in, I mean, in Eugene, mm-hmm. it's it's right there. We're, we're like one of the, uh, one of the test cities for one of the, the, one of the agenda for, 21 yeah. initiatives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so how, how do you reconcile that? Where, where is the line?
1: Oh, I think that it's really important to get as removed from the system as you possibly can. I think that generally you should get your affairs in some sort of presentable order before you get politically active. I take the Jordan Peterson clean your room perspective. Um, You want to, you know, be working on your health first. I think that's a really important way to get unplugged, right? Like I had, I, I have Crohn's disease and in 2020, I was still on IV infusion drugs, really hardcore drugs. Uh, And I'd been on and off, you know, like I can't stand being on pharmaceutical drugs, but I was so sick and going in and out of the hospital. It was like, well, this is an emergency. And once these lockdowns started, you know, and I have these masked up nurses coming into my home (laughs) acting all weird to give me just like, I was like, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. What if, and what if vaccine passports get tied to your health insurance? And that's been a, topic of conversation. I've read about it in a few news articles. Well, there's already, so I, I thought, mean, it was
4: Kroger's that came out and is uh, there, the people who are, aren't vaccinated are paying higher premiums. Mm-hmm. So we know, we know okay. that's coming across. And obviously, I mean, I think we've all said that this, this push right now is to get us to that digital ID.
3: Mm.
1: Yes. Yes, it absolutely is. So I think that it's really important to Make sure that you you're taking care of yourself first before you invest a lot of time in politics, and you just find like a good balance. Yeah. So I needed to make sure that my health was in order, so that I wasn't going to be relying on health insurance. You know, so I'm I'm off all of the pharmaceutical drugs now. Anybody has any issues on Crohn's disease and how to get off of those drugs, please send me a message. I, I will send you some some really good tips that'll that'll work with you. Um, and then if you want to get politically active but you're just unsure, I would say join a local group. Uh, Do a small monthly donation to a group where you know it's going to have a meaningful impact and just sort of, you know, go along with the ride for a little bit and support them as much as you can.
2: Yeah, that's great. You know, and I feel like, you know, so much of what we're doing, like as black, as, as easy as it is to get black pilled and just say, no, I'm done. I'm just going to go run in the woods and just, just <laughs> society, just leave society to burn. You know, it's important. And I'm, I'm proud of the people that are fighting on all fronts. Like even though I don't, yeah. like, even though the courts are designed to protect the courts and the politicians, like great. I love that there's people fighting in the courts. You know, and I'm glad that there's people at the demonstrations. I'm glad that there's people in political office. And I'm glad also over here, there are people that are building intentional communities. Yeah. You know, like we have to fight on all fronts. All fronts. You know, and so that's and that's that's
4: and that's what Americans are good at is suing people.
2: Yeah, exactly. There you go.
1: Absolutely, like litigation, agorism Mm -hmm. uh, political activism, do it all. And my advice would be don't be overly harsh or too judgmental of someone who's doing something a different way. Totally, because we do really need to attack. You know, like same with people who are going the GOP route.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm not
1: a Republican. That's not my fight. But if they want to go clean up the GOP, I have I've have nothing but respect yeah. and an appreciation for them because it is a mess and it does yeah. need to be cleaned up.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know,
1: really disappointing to hear when people are doing these aggressive pushes for local law enforcement and the same states where law enforcement is doing or implementing red flag laws and gun grabbing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people have to learn. <laughs> There's a lot of cognitive dissonance, but there's also a lot of ignorance. Yes. So I'm like, if you want to go clean up that mess, you know, be my guest. Awesome. Yeah.
2: So what do you see on a national level uh, as something that uh, needs to be changed as, as a chairperson? Like what would be some of the things that you would be uh, you would be enacting or, or pushing for? Anyway? OK,
1: so. On the Libertarian Party level, we're going to be changing the messaging of the National Libertarian Party. It's not very good (laughs) it's kind of cringe it's improved over the last year so i appreciate that but it's very blue-pilled they did not speak out against lockdowns openly for an entire year that was what inspired me to run and that's because generally people who are active at the national level have what i call low self-esteem they're embarrassed of their ideas they're embarrassed to be libertarian and they chase mainstream approval yes well guess what People who are mainstream thinkers, CNN watchers, they don't like you just because you're a blue pill libertarian. They hate all libertarians. So you might as well just like own it, you know, and feel empowered and feel good and have esteem in what you believe.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So
1: we'll be changing that. A goal that I have, though, and we'll see if I can get this by the end of my term. A goal is for us to have someone lobbying in DC. Hmm. Right now obviously that's going to be dealing with vaccine passports and national ID kind of tracking and anything related to it anything related to vaccine passports so we'll see where we're at in a couple of years oh
2: man yeah that's great you know if there was anybody in the political sphere like like you know they always they always inch up to the line like you know we see all the stuff with rand paul and stuff like they get right there but then he goes and does an interview with fox news and says well these vaccines are incredible and i'm so glad that we have all these vaccines it's like it's all, so that it's just like no 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 if there was a candidate or anybody in a in a like a national stage it was coming out saying like this is killing people. This is corruption. You're corrupt. You're corrupt. You're corrupt. You need to be in prison. You need to be on trial and possibly hung. I don't know. I mean, that, that's yeah, me. That's yeah. Scott saying that. You yeah. know what I mean? But at the same time, that's like like if there was a person on the national stage coming out saying that, like, dude, you you would just wash the whole like most of the people in the country would be like, yeah, I'm down with that. So
1: I'm gonna treat this like crack cocaine. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, as a libertarian, I I think it should be decriminalized. I'm not gonna advocate that you go get it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely.
1: You know, like, yeah, it is your body, your choice. Yep. I think this is a better choice. Best of luck to you if you choose otherwise. Yes,
2: absolutely. 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 So uh, the other thing, too, that I'm just kind of curious about from your perspective or just a libertarian perspective in general is just the idea of secession. So now we have uh, – yeah, let's get into it. I like that. So <laughs> so I listen to uh, this show called The Quash. Like Ed and I listen yeah, to the show The Quash, a guy named Legal Man. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he talks a lot about how the idea that the only way that this can be uh, a legitimate government, like a consent of the people – right is to have something on every single ballot that says secession. So if we don't like any of your options then we'll just secede and say goodbye and like take our ball and go home. Now uh I love that idea. I love the idea that like can we just vote none of the above? But what right. what what is the conversation like? How do we even broach the conversation of secession? Because I, at this okay. point I'm like dude, you guys can you guys can even have the whole west coast, honestly, man. Like I don't even know, dude, like at this point like I think this is just like I want the West I yeah. I, mean, I know I know I know, I know I know what okay. you're saying. But but at the same time, how do we start this conversation?
1: Okay. So every every few years someone tries to do a break California into three states ballot initiative and we got the signatures for it 2018 I believe and the it went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled it unconstitutional. They said that we didn't follow the protocols that are set forth in the constitution. I don't entirely agree with that, but that is the Supreme Court's view. What it showed, though, even though that was a crappy, crappy ruling, mm-hmm. is that people really do want it. Mm-hmm. There is There there are enough people who are interested. So I think we need to do everything that we can and get as close as we can to real secession, because that's going to prime the pump. So the the initiatives that are going on right now in Washington and Oregon, some of the counties on the edge to split off and join Idaho. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is a really good one. That is like, it's like a different version of secession. There was a city in the middle of California. I can't remember what it was. It was a small town. And they declared themselves with a non-binding resolution, a constitutional republic that is also a step in the right direction because we're starting to normalize it right and we're normalizing it in a way that it's not just angry and sounding spiteful because even gavin newsom when when trump got elected in 2016 he was like we're going to secede we're a nation state he's just running his mouth i'm glad he normalized it but he was also kind of saying it like out of anger Mm -hmm. and i think we need to move past the anger to having reasonable conversations about it Mm -hmm. think about it this way what would happen if i took All of the city of Los Angeles and moved it and dumped it in Idaho. You know what would happen, we would have open civil war, open civil war. So by that same token, why should we all be ruled by the same federal government. We should be able to break up peacefully and just govern ourselves
2: yeah i mean i'm in complete support of that you know what i mean and it's like now in this political climate though it's like even dangerous to have this conversation with all the january 6th domestic terrorist nonsense (laughs) going out but i have to remind you nancy pelosi and all you guys like weren't like prior to the 2020 election they were doing the whole war games with john podesta and they were talking about secession you know what i mean and they're like talking about election integrity four five years ago you know what i mean and so it's like come on now like let's just look at this realistically but it seems like both sides man like this could be a very amicable thing you know what i mean like We'll yes. we'll pay alimony if we even have to. Like like the conservative <laughs> side will pay you alimony to do. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Well,
1: think about. <laughs> so if we get if we get counties from one state joining another state, that that are, that sit right on the border, why can't we have a county that's sort of in the middle of a state join a different state? Mm-hmm. Why can't San Diego or Orange County, the more conservative counties in Southern California, why couldn't they join like Arizona or Texas? Or Florida.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and then we just work out an agreement where we use some of the public utilities and infrastructure. I wanna normalize just secession, yeah, like yeah. on any level, on yes. every level that we can, because that's gonna get us closer to like truly like pulling out entirely of the United States.
2: Yeah, yeah it's it's I mean that's one of the cool things that I've kind of just, that really was like hard pill for me to swallow. Like I just, again, I got to say the conscious resistance trilogy, Derek bros and Derek, B- or John vibes. They do a great job of like articulating just the perspective of just like, okay, what, like we are born into this society. We're born into uh, you know, a government and just the, the, the fact that we just have it ingrained in our heads. And then, you know, the whole public yeah. school system is just designed literally to like, just train you to be a good little citizen and just not even think outside the box that there's, and this is the, the, the ultimate pinnacle of what society has evolved into. And there's nothing better than having a government structure. But hold on a sec. Let's take a step back. Let's reimagine this. What what would it even be like to have a world without a government? Like is that even possible? Yeah. And, then, and then obviously then that would insert this, the conversation about the whole free market and how all of this stuff yeah. can be done by just getting rid of the middleman you know like it's just it's yeah. and, and i just just it, it blew my mind i was like wow that is so true and then yeah, yeah.
4: it's almost like government's the biggest scam in history yeah
2: almost yeah it
1: is <laughs> and i you know as someone who loves city life like i'll, I'll just tell you i love concrete
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> i
1: love crowds i don't mind homeless people in garbage i don't care I, I love everything about the city the good stuff and the bad stuff but Going through this has been, you know, it, is, it has pressed upon me the importance of eventually moving out of it. Yeah. And it has also sort of been like living through the Tower of Babel 2.0. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there is, there is something maybe inherently wicked about aggressive central planning in a large city. And, and things, things seem like they are more in alignment with the natural order. The further out you move from yes. large metropolitan mm-hmm. areas. Yes. Oh, so it's been a little bit, you know, a little bit of a a learning experience, I guess, maybe a small ego death for me to, to go through this as a, as a city girl.
2: <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you, you have your garden planted yet?
1: <laughs> I have plants on yeah. my balcony. Yeah. I kind of cycle through it. Like I have a garden and then it goes out, you know, I have food storage and That's then awesome. I'm, I kind of eat it and rotate it. I used to be way more like I was like, paranoid, Alex Jones, Ebola, you know, ob- obsessed back in 2014. Yeah. And I've kind of dialed it down. And now I'm like, why did you dial that down? You know Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah exactly. I think a lot of vindication yeah. across the board. Um, always, always. So tell us a little bit about the Mises Caucus. Like, what is that exactly?
1: Oh, yeah. So the Mises Caucus is this incredible organization. I sit on the board at the national level, and I also chair the political action committee at the state level. And we have been reforming the Libertarian Party, bringing it back to its Libertarian roots. It was actually taken over by more pragmatic types who are more in alignment with both major parties in the 2000s. So okay. we're sort of taking it back at this point. And we have a strong emphasis on economic literacy, which I had to tell you, as someone who lives in California, it is really important. People vote every, every election cycle, they vote to increase taxes on themselves. <laughs> Um, Mind-blowing. It's because they're economically illiterate yeah. and some other things that were really important about the caucus is we sort of reject identity politics. We think that you can do meaningful effective outreach to minority communities and special interest groups without pandering to them and using woke terminology. Yeah. Um, and we're very interested in localization, local elections, and issue coalitions. Like not everything has to be candidates ballot initiatives and getting legislation passed are are things that we're really passionate about too.
2: That's phenomenal. I mean that should be kind of everybody's attitude. Like we should stop like idolizing people and stop like, you know, just putting – because we know they're just figureheads or political. Yeah. Like they're the culmination of like like just uh, – you know, a lot of times it's just corruption. So no, let's mm-hmm. just put the people outside of the equation yep. and just focus on the issues and like what they're saying and what they're representing really. So that's that's great. And like uh, when you got up to check your lighting, that little band on your chair that says, what is it, Ludwig never meets. Mm-hmm. I saw that. I'm like, oh, I get that joke. I get that joke. So, who was Ludwig?
1: <laughs> oh, Ludwig von Mises. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Austrian economist. There you go. Moved moved here to escape Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So it's a he's he's a really interesting guy. He's written some some really good books on economics. Mm-hmm. I recommend them. If you are looking for something that is a little less technical, I would recommend Economics in One Lesson. Mm. That's a great book, not by Mises, but that's a good primer to get you into Mises. And if you want to go from there and, and to understand really the relationship that economic economic illiteracy has with the state and the damage it does, I would recommend Rothbard's Anatomy of the State. Yep which is also a short book.
2: It is, yeah. So those are two
1: really good primers that'll get you ready for really digging into to Mises.
2: Yep. And then uh, my other favorite one that I was the New Libertarian Manifesto, Conkin like talking about like, like different uh, density agorism. I've been talking a lot, a lot about that lately and just the, the path to how this, and that's one of the great things I love about this is that, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be like a, democratic republic it doesn't have to be like the government as it is today or you know kind of an agorist society like they can both coexist and and that's the beautiful thing about it is we can start small and build this thing up and up and up until the point where it gets so obvious to everybody that this is the solution and that this stupid thing we call the state (laughs) is just like this pathetic antiquated horrible thing that all it does is take 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 kill 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 like I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a beautiful thing that we can build this independent of whatever it is they're doing with the idea being that we can get to the point where it doesn't matter what they do. We're over here thriving. They can do all the mandates and all the, everything that they want because we're over here thriving. It doesn't matter.
1: Yes. Yes. I, I, I love the the idea of algorithm and buying as many things as you can off the grid, like as many exchanges as you can. I'm also trying to get better about using cryptocurrency Mm -hmm. for everyday transactions which is not something I've fully mastered yet. Yeah. I want to be at that point where I'm going to the grocery store and I'm, you know, swiping a card that is, that is crypto and it's not dealing with like a regular bank account. You
2: know? Yeah. That would be goals. nice. Those are my goals. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's tough. That's a tough one though. Cause they don't really have like the infrastructure in place to make it just like you swipe the card type of transaction thing, you know, that I'm aware of, but the Bitcoin cash, Bitcoin cash, like maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. But um, man, it's a, uh, it's a scary world we're, we're departing into, but do you, But, you know, there's a lot of hope as well, you know, just in this last week or so, like just in the last couple of weeks, like they're starting to backpedal. They're starting to like weasel their way out of this a little bit, you know, and and to me, a lot of it is... uh, I, I, I take it with a grain of salt, and I'm like, okay, I've seen this before, where they kind of just—it's like a ratchet, where they just kind of like loosen up just a little bit, and then they crank it down a little bit, and then they loosen up, and then it gets tighter and tighter each time. So I feel like yeah. we're in that phase where, you know, the UK—they're lifting their mandates, they're dropping all their restrictions, and everybody's like kind of like celebrating a little bit. But I'm like, hold on, guys, hold on. No
0: one's talking about what's going on in Davos.
2: Yeah, you see, Davos is happening right now. Speaking of like, you know, you'll own nothing, like property rights, you'll own nothing, you'll be happy. They're yeah. they're in full swing right now, and it's kind of interesting how. You know, those two things coincided, but, but, you know, I think at the same time right now, like we can't let them get away with this. Like you guys don't let them off the hook, like keep pressing, like right now when they're kind of loosening things up and it feels like there's an air of things, maybe just kind of loosened up a little bit. This is where we double down. This is where we, we continue to press. We continue to spread information. We continue to get active, um, continue to educate yourself, you know, continue to educate others. And, uh, we just don't let them get, we're not going to get let them get away with this. So Angela, do you have hope going into 2022?
1: very much so yeah. very much so um i i am very optimistic i'm a very white pilled person mm-hmm. if there is a chance that you can win like you got to take that chance yes that's you got to keep hope alive you got to keep fighting uh, if the soviet union collapsed in my mm-hmm. lifetime mm-hmm. i watched it yeah. on tv i watched it happen as a as when i was in elementary school if that can happen we can get rid of mandates yeah, we on. should always Always have some historical perspective. And on a personal note, you know, like I was very sick for for three or four years, just horribly ill in and out of the hospital, horrible intestinal bleeding disorder, severe anemia. I was emaciatingly thin and I recovered from that. And so like, you're going to tell me that now I'm recovered, that my life is basically over because of mandates that, that does not fly for Mm -hmm. me. Right. Like I will take my life back and I will enjoy it and live it to like the fullest extent possible mm-hmm. because that's what I want for myself. And I'll be damned if anyone tries to take it away from me after I've worked so hard to reclaim it. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it's political, but it's also Pers- profoundly personal for 100%. me. Like I'm going to I'm going to pursue this. I'm mm-hmm. going to pursue freedom.
3: Absolutely.
2: I think that's where they messed up is because they they turned us into a bunch of resilient Bastards. Like we're just a <laughs> bunch of bastards, and, and that's like that's it, man. I'm sorry, you just activated a whole generation of people that are just like we're not like we see, like that's the one thing about Americans, you know. I think that we were just so isolated from the idea that 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 there's anything other than freedom. Like we just took our freedom for granted, and now that we've seen our freedom jeopardized in such a horrific, in your face, top down way it's like okay now we cannot let allow this to happen we cannot and and they're going to keep pushing you know we're not out of the woods yet but you know i've never you know gosh taking liberty and freedom for granted man like well, shame on us you know what i mean so now that we're activated it's like okay you know we're you know and, and luckily we come from a position of absolute non-aggression and non-violence so you're not going to get us there but at the same time we are a bunch of bastards, so you better watch out. <laughs> you know what I'm well
3: we we aren't
0: willing to accept the future that they're offering yeah. our children. Yeah. That's it. I mean that's a hard that was a hard stop. It's been a hard yes. stop right from two weeks to flatten the curb. So um I think that that is also where we're finding a lot of warriors rising up is it was one thing when it was, we weren't going to work for two weeks. It was one thing when they were telling people to put masks on at their jobs. It was one thing when they were saying, homeschool your kids for the year. But then they started saying, but now we're going to stick needles in your babies. And these babies are, a mm. lot of them are going to die. And those that don't die, they're going to suffer horribly. And you know what? Actually, your kids aren't allowed to have a voice or a face anymore and keep them covered. I think when they started coming for our kids, a lot of people who weren't quite there, started, um, having kind of that, that mama bear, papa bear, that like. Yeah. It's that natural inclination to protect your offspring, your child, and what we see they've stripped from them. Um, I think we were all kind of frustrated, like, wow, what have they, what have they done for our kids? And now we're looking like, man, what they took away from us. We don't even, we don't even want that anymore. Now that we really are awake yeah. to what it was, yeah. Yeah. I don't want that for my kids. And so now my kids have opportunities that they wouldn't have had before because my eyes couldn't have been opened to a different way. And so in that, I think there's a lot of power as well.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's been a, a painful learning lesson, but it's so important to learn.
3: Yeah, so
1: I, I'm really happy for parents who pulled their kids out of public school. Yeah. I, I recommend that everybody look yep. into it, even yep. if it looks really challenging. There are people around you who will be your support base. You absolutely. Know? Like there, there are little homeschool pods and groups People there to assist you, even if you're a single mom working two jobs.
3: Yeah.
4: And there's a way what, what I found happen. is that there's teachers that are leaving the school system as well because of these mandates. Yeah. And so they want to teach your kids. So find those teachers. Yeah.
0: And so. I think it's important to say as a homeschooling mom, I homeschooled my grown kids for a period of time when they were younger. And now I still have children at home that are being homeschooled. Um, it's it doesn't have to be the public school um, setting. I think a lot of people who consider pulling their kids out, they think, well, I can't do what the teachers do all day. I can't do all those lessons. Well, the whole idea that you're pulling them from public indoctrination is because you're no longer indoctrinating them. And the reason, one of the big reasons why I homeschool my kids is so that I can do life with them, not so that I can do school with them. So yeah. what we're learning by being a family at all times together and doing things in a really connected way and a really hands-on way is really um, uplifting them in the human spirit realm is really helping their curiosity to grow, is really allowing their their critical thinking to grow in a way that sitting, I mean, my kids weren't um, in a public school, but my older kids for a short time were many years ago, and I was in public school my whole life. And there's just such a difference from public school to private school to homeschool. It's just an entirely different dynamic, so I just want to encourage parents that do feel overwhelmed the whole idea is you're not doing it like what the school system has been doing to you. And so I feel like that there's a power and strength in that. And it, it's, it's a really encouraging and an, a fun um, task rather than one that's daunting and fearful. So
1: I hope that moms will reach out to you because you sound like you really got a good handle on yeah, yeah. You're a great voice for homeschooling. Yeah. Megan's, a <laughs> Megan's a legend. Megan's
2: a legend. Absolutely. Certainly. So I have one more question, Angela. What does victory look like for us here? Yes
1: victory looks like a repeal of mandates victory looks like that's the first step right and then victory looks like more medical freedom Mm. victory looks like a huge drop in public school attendance yes
2: amen i'm 100 on board with all that so awesome
1: school is the most violent place that Mm -hmm. most children will ever encounter in their lives there are no school shootings
2: in homeschool absolutely good point that's a good point absolutely Wow, well, Angela, thank you so much. We really thank appreciate you, so you coming much. on. So, yeah. can you tell our listeners where they can learn more, support you, and all that good stuff?
1: Absolutely. So, you can find my uh, Libertarian Party Convention speaking tour information on angelamcardle.com. If you'd like to support my efforts and what I'm doing and uh, just find out more about me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Angela mccardle. And I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Pretty easy to find.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so very much. And good luck with everything. Please let us know if there's anything we could do. You know, we got a platform you ever need to get shouted out. And uh, just appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. This was really, thank really good. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you guys so much for having me. No problem. Have a All right. fantastic
0: Have evening. Have
2: a good night. Woo. Bam. Fantastic. Right. It's, it's, fantastic. It's
4: funny because, like, I think we kind of made a pact that we're not going to, like, uh, support people in the political realm. But like, the, but the libertarian is like, it's different, right? Yeah, it's we're, like, but totally we're supporting different.
0: someone who's depoliticizing the realm. It's exactly. Like,
4: yeah, so,
2: right? Exactly. So, so, it's like anti-politics. So, <laughs> right? It is. Totally.
0: It and,
4: is. Uh, she's just so on the level and yeah. on point in everything she said. And I, I do agree. I think that there's there's this healthy balance of like cutting yourself off of the system, mm-hmm. but also fighting the system at the mm-hmm. same time to, to take over. And a lot of it's it's that local level stuff that, yep. that we should all be doing more of, honestly.
0: Yeah, I really liked her suggestions too. That was fantastic. Yeah. And it's uh, really doable for anybody listening, you know, to, to do these kinds of things. And so I feel like that that's, um, it's even more empowering for people.
4: Anyway, yeah, you you guys you guys get on the Zoom meeting and do those yeah, those plugs dude, and awesome. then I'm gonna do the, the wrap.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. vaccinating my body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a great idea, dude. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna look into that for sure. Wow. Okay, we got to also say real quick while we're on here. So we got these awesome shirts, right? Holy so these cow. are from our friend Tina Marie at Learn Tina, the Risk. Tina, thank you so yes. much. So Learn the Risk.org, risk. <laughs> you guys. You can get They're your really own. nice not- shirts. They're yes. really soft. Yeah, like they really have soft. that
0: kind of material that you always want to have in a t-shirt and yep. uh, yeah, good <laughs> graphic. Learn the
2: Risk.org, <laughs> baby. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man. So and, and also she sent a bunch of like bumper stickers and stuff too. I don't know if I'm gonna have the 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 courage to actually put one of those on my car. You mean here you don't want Eugene. your tires slashed? Tire <laughs> slashed <laughs> Eugene, but... Isn't that gross? Like people like will literally like vandalize, vandalize your, your car, car. <laughs> break into your car, blow your car up just because you like question certain things well it
4: is it is it is interesting one of the things i was going to say before we ended here is just like the the vaccine issue is the most stigmatized issue out there like if you are not with the vaccines and this was prior to COVID, though like it was this was planned right so so it was prior to COVID. everyone anyone who questioned vaccines before COVID happened was like oh well this is what they're doing right Mm -hmm. but um but obviously you know what what they did with when they've pushed so hard on this is they've opened up the whole world to questioning because this vaccine is the Worst vaccine ever, yeah. right? Because yeah. this vaccine's killing more people than the rest of them combined.
2: Yep. Sorry, so, Pfizer, you messed up big time.
4: But that's one thing I also want to shout out <laughs> Tina Marie for that. I, I love her message and I love learn the risks. Learn the risks message is that mm. they don't st- stand down. They're just like. Vaccines are bad, and they're killing people.
2: Yep, They're, they're the board. not.
4: They're not like, well, some vaccines are okay. They're like, no, they are all have filled with poison. Yeah, yeah, they, they, are they kill people.
2: I guarantee. And I guarantee people. they never start a conversation with, well, I'm not anti-vax, but yeah, totally, uh, totally, totally. No, they're they're like, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you a little like story. It. Let me tell you a little story about.
0: I think for a long time, <laughs> for a lot, a lot of people, they were really trying to. to you know, it's hard, too. This was like unchartered psychological territory to really be at such divided odds. I mean, as much as the media would have us believe that we're divided over so many issues, really, this whole medical apartheid that's happened has really divided people. And, like, you know, it's it's so threatening to people, anyone that has um, and uh, questions the, the, you know, the given narrative. narrative. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's something really powerful in people who are not— um, any longer placating, like mm-hmm. no, yes. I don't stand for this at all. Like you know, I, I feel like it's there is the the importance and the and the tr- it's important to be authentic and accepting of people who. They, you know, they're, they're coming around. You know what I mean? Like, like she, we've said over and over, we've got to come at things with love. We want to be opening Mm -hmm. and welcoming to everyone. There are people who took two jabs and maybe they took a booster and like, I'm not doing this every three months. I'm not doing this every six months. Oh, I'm not putting it in my kids. Like, you know, the, the whole idea is that we are not divided at what we have definitely been brainwashed. We've definitely had all kinds of psychological trauma happen to us, to our children. A lot of people have uh, lost people to um, all kinds of things and then had it labeled as covid and now we're finding out no actually it was the heart disease you know it's mm-hmm. it's just such a, a mind screw for everybody um so i think it it is really powerful those people who are starting to find the courage to stand up and just be like no i vaccines they're poison and yeah. i don't see a benefit and no i don't do it for my children and these are the reasons why yeah. um because it encourages other people to be able to feel safe to say that too yeah.
2: absolutely yeah, man and and just man I just gotta say Megan again and I'm just so grateful you're back Ooh, like oh my me god I'm like, like, I I so excited to have you back that was yeah, so much guys. fun I was yes. like yes 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 Yay. like these interviews are like literally like a th- like not even like 10% of what I mean no okay, oh. I can't say that because we've, we've had some amazing, we've had guests, some amazing and guests and I will guests. credit
4: our guests but that. I'll yes, say yes, this yes, about yes.
0: us like I just feel like we, we always say we're the three headed monster yep. and there's been a time too when Ed was you know not feeling well and it was the two of us for a couple times even just for those couple times but I just feel like true Zilla it's like the three heads on a monster and i also yeah. was thinking about that last night like it's you know it's the the head the heart and the soul yes yeah. and it can be interchangeable depends on what guests we're talking to but with but any one of us at any given time doesn't have all three of that yeah at once for every guest and so i think like yeah. that's our kind of our chemistry together because yeah. we each have a piece of that body that we need to make this be it really is um, the way yes. that it needs to be so that we're reaching people with information they need to have
4: that's right. And without you, we were just heartless bastards. <laughs> we
2: we're a so bunch of heartless bastards, dude. That's really what it was. Like, we were oh. just like, we were just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, just a shadow of our former selves. Oh, right?
0: <laughs> well, I am so glad to be back. And I'll tell you, you what,
2: I mean, the numbers, the numbers, even if you want to look at it, dude, it was just like, when Megan left, it's just like, meh. I
0: want to see went, a screenshot of my little I'll show ego show you. later. I'll show
2: you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, like, it just fell off. And so, you guys, you can come listen to us again because Megan's back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I, I'm so so grateful to be back here, and I'm feeling so much better. And uh, I I am a Grammy now. Oh yeah, you tell everybody. Yes. Yeah, so uh, my first grandbaby was born on January sixteenth. Wow. Six pounds and two ounces of she's perfection. Yeah, yeah, she's absolutely gorgeous. I'm really excited, and uh, it's kind of unreal. My baby had her baby. Um, in the same bedroom that she was born in. My, we, I had a home birth with her at my midwife's house. Um, so my daughter also gave birth at our midwife's house um, on the same bed. So it's the really- The same midwife. The same midwife. So the same
2: woman that gave that birth we've had to on the her show. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. we had on the show gave birth to yes, her so, daughter.
0: Yeah, Cynthia. Oh, one, our daughter. Yes, Cynthia. One of our early episodes, yeah. we had Cynthia Luxford on. And so, yes. yep, she delivered my granddaughter and I was there in the room.
2: Wow. What a magical thing for her too to be able to deliver a baby and then like deliver that genera- baby's baby. That's yeah. so crazy. That's Very such a trip. Very cool.
0: So yeah, that's what's been going on. But wow. I am so grateful to be back here, and it feels really good, and it oh feels like coming home. So. Oh God,
2: yes. Thank so God. so thank grateful. You. Thank everybody, and thank all of you guys for bearing with Ed and I trying to stumble through these last. <laughs> they couple did months fantastic. So. They did fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but I'm we're glad back, baby. to be home. Glad to be home. We're back now. Watch out
0: everybody that was Angela McArdle please go and find her at AngelaMcArdle.com also Patreon.com forward slash Angela McArdle everything will be in the show notes guys thank you so much for sitting in with us and for your support we love all of you and until next time I am Megan sitting here with Scott and Ed we wish all of you intellectual prosperity good night